Bibles, please, and turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, I've been looking at a timeline of the end times. Revelation 4, we'll begin in verse 1 there, Lord willing. Amen. Brother Titus, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and thank you that I just serve you. I thank you for the freedom to come here and worship you. Uh, I'm thankful that we have something to sing about, Amen. and the gift that you've given to us Amen. on the cross. And I thank you for that um, grace, Amen. even though we sin so much. And please give Pastor the words to say, and please help your word speak through him to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So, Looking at the spiritual calendar, we're looking for the rapture, the catching away, and it's pictured in verse 1. Verse 2, he sees the throne set in heaven. After the rapture, we come before the Lord and face the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, last time we looked at, there's, there are some crowns that are going to be rewarded. Uh, one is the crown of righteousness. We saw that last time. And now tonight, number two, a crown of of life, a crown of life. And for that, let's go and look in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. So if you go to the jewelry store, there's all different kinds of rings, all different kinds of shapes, sizes, cost. Uh, and we think of crowns. There's different crowns that God, God is not just handing out one generic crown. There's different crowns. Um, and this one is the crown of life. James 1 and verse 12. James 1, 12, and we'll read through verse 15. So verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive what? The crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Okay. Why is it called the crown of life? This one. Well, you think about what we have just read here. It deals with enduring temptation. Uh, in verse 12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. So, and to not endure temptation, to succumb to it, is death. Uh, we looked at the, the, the downward trend there. Um, in verse 14, Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. So um, the lust that falls to temptation, that's the first step. In verse 15, and then lust conceives, 
and brings forth sin. So the first thing is, is lust responds to the temptation. That brings forth sin, verse 15. And the last part of verse 15, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So it's, it's a good name to this crown to show us how to get the crown. The crown of life is to endure temptation, not to succumb to it. Because we see this downward progression, lust, uh, falling to enticement, then falling into sin, and sin brings forth death. You know, when you see a billboard with, um, I don't, I guess I'm not in Grand Rapids that much, but, you know, sometimes you'll see a, uh, a billboard for liquor. We'll be talking about that a little bit later, but, you know, they're trying to entice people to be thirsty and drink it. Uh, but that's, I mean, if you saw a bottle up on a billboard that had a skull and crossbones, what does that, what does that mean? Poison. poison, poison. I mean, so really in our minds from scripturally, if we see a billboard like that, we should think poison. We're going to look at that a little bit later. Uh, but there's so many enticements that the flesh can be enticed to do something that leads to death. So when we endure temptation, God's going to give us a crown of life. And that's really resisting sin. You know, falling for sin is death. Resisting sin is life. Um, consider Samson as an example of this. Um, let's go to Judges chapter 16. Judges 16. Samson had everything going for him, uh, but he just could not endure temptation. Judges 16.1. The Bible says, Then went Samson to Geza and saw there who? And harlot, and went in unto her. Samson was enticed to lust. He sinned. What would be the end for Samson? Just It seemed like immoral relationships was Samson's big weakness. Um, notice in verse 4, And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was what? Delilah. So he went from verse 1, from one woman to another woman, both of the world, both sinful relationships. Um, so you notice in verse 4 it said there, and it came to pass afterward that he what? Loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. He loved this woman. He loved Delilah. Uh, but what he thought was his delight, Delilah, was the feeling mutual? Did she really love him? Uh, look in verse 15, Judges 16, 15. And she said unto him, How canst thou say what? I love thee. So he was telling her that. I love thee when thine heart is not with me. Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. So she was pressing him, you know, tell me your secret. Why are you so much stronger than other men? Tell me. 
And he would tell her something and she would try it and it wouldn't work. Three times. And now she says, you tell me you love me, but you, you're not telling me your secret. You don't really love me. Um, so he ends up telling her that. But, but before we go into that, let's go back to verse 5. In Judges 16, 5. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give to thee every one of us, what? 1,100 pieces of silver. Why was she asking for this information? Because she didn't love him. What did she love? Money. Uh, if you hold your place here, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, she didn't love him. She loved money. He really didn't love her. He lusted for her. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the what? The love of money is the root of what? All evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. You don't have to be rich to love money. Poor people can love money. Um, that's why they spend 20 bucks or more on lottery tickets at a shot. Um, because they love money. They want to get rich. Um, so back in Judges chapter 16. So they had promised her in verse 5, all this money, all this silver. So in verse 18. And when Delilah saw this, saw that, and of course he, he just bared her his heart to her, telling her the truth, and she knew it this time. Verse 18, And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Was her heart with him? No. But she knew his heart. She knew that he had told her the truth this time. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought what? Money in their hand. That's what she wanted. She loved the money. This was just a guy to use and to throw away. She loved the money is what she loved. Um, and so as we think, go down to verse 19. Verse 19. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and what? Put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Samson, he just couldn't resist this temptation. He fell into sin. Now his eyes are gone. He can't see. What a horrible situation. But remember what we've seen. A sin that, that lust it falls to the enticement. The next step is sin. And the, the third step was what? Death. Well, let's see what happens here. Verse 19. Uh, she made him sleep. Verse 20. 
And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. We read that. Verse 21, they put out his eyes. In verse 22, albeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice, for they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God hath delivered him into our hands, our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars, whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And there were upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me what? die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his what? Death were more than they which he slew in his life. Samson, it was true. Enticement, the lust, the temptation, fall into sin. The third thing was death, and that's what he met, was his death. Um, so the, if we go back to James, <clears throat> James chapter 1, James chapter 1, in verse 12, Blessed is the man that what? Endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. We've got to realize that falling to sin is death. Um, falling to an enticement to lust is going to bring forth sin, and sin is going to bring forth death. We, we see that, verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth Death. All these enticements to sin, we need to picture the skull and the crossbones. It's, it's poison to us. It's not life. It's not life and pleasure. It's, it's death. So how do we get the crown of life? How do we successfully endure temptation? That's what we need to know. Well, number one is prayer. Prayer. Matthew 26, 41. Matthew 26, 41. How? How do you not fall to enticements and begin to lust and then fall into sin and then face the death as a result? Matthew 26, 41. The Bible says what? Watch and pray that ye what? Enter not into temptation. There's so many temptations we would not have to enter into if we would just Watch and pray. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is what? 
willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. We can't ever give the flesh a vote. You know, when you get 16, you get your driver's license. Um, there's different things at different ages, uh, whether it's a concealed weapons permit at a certain age. There's, there's all kinds of ages for different things. Uh, but the flesh, we just can't ever let the flesh begin to vote. Um, should I do this or no? If you give the flesh a vote, it's always going to vote yes if it's a sinful thing. We can't give the flesh a vote. Now, what do you think would be better? You walk down a path. You're going on a hike. You walk down a path and suddenly a bear roars out at you. What are you going to do? Run? Shoot it? <laughs> There's a, that guy's got a gun with him. Okay. Um, what if um, you got a cast on your leg and you don't have a gun? What are you going to do? <laughs> Maybe someone has said it and I didn't hear it. Okay, drop down and play dead. That, that is what they tell us to do. How you do that, though, when a prayer is coming, I don't know how anybody does that. But that is what they tell us to do. Okay, um, maybe someone said it, but I'm thinking of a word that starts with P. Pray! There you go. Pray! Okay. Uh, okay, so we've done all these things. Uh, we've... We've uh, wished our leg wasn't broken. We wish we had our gun with us, bear spray. We've, we've fallen to the ground, but uh, finally we begin to pray. Lord, help me. Um, okay, okay, we can go that route. Or would it be better to pray before we went on the hike and said, Lord, which, which path should we hike on today? And you just happen to see then a sign or someone happens to tell you, you know, uh, they've sighted bears on that hiking trail recently. Oh, thank you. I think I'll take another one then. So wouldn't it be, easy, wouldn't it be better to pray before we choose the path we take rather than just choose a path and then get down there and face danger? Now, we, we can cry out to God, and we'll see that in a little bit, but... It would be best to pray first. Pray that you enter not into temptation. Pray that I enter not down the dangerous path. Um, same principle works for many temptations in life. Let's go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. Uh, we mentioned about alcohol. There's, there's so many people that their lives are in such a mess because of alcohol. Um, where did it start? Well, it started with the first drink. Uh, drugs, where did it start? Well, probably started with the first, uh, maybe marijuana, cigarette they smoked or started with an injection or started with a pill or started with sniffing something. It always starts with Something, doing it one time. Proverbs 23, 31. 
It says, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it what? Moveth itself aright. And of course, alcohol doesn't move itself aright. And, and maybe I, well, I don't know that much uh, about this. Uh, whether the, I don't know if they add any carbonated water, is what I'm trying to say, to ever to alcohol. I don't know. But I know what the Bible is referring to here is the fermentation part. When something is fermented, it bubbles. Uh, my grandfather used to tease us when we were drinking soda pop uh, about this verse here. You know, it's moving. You know, you open that soda pop, it's bubbling, it's moving. Uh, and he was just teasing us, but we're talking about fermentation here first and foremost. So, uh, so when we are around people that are drinking alcohol, you may say, it wouldn't tempt me. We're going to see a verse in a moment about that. But, um, so one way to be kept from drinking alcohol is to pray, Lord, uh, keep me from the presence of people that are drinking it so I'm not tempted to drink it. Uh, verse 20, this, this is why I do not take my family knowingly to restaurants that serve alcohol. And it's based upon verse 20 here. It says, be not among what? Wine bibbers among riotous eaters of flesh. So what is a wine bibber? Well, it, it comes from the word imbibe. Imbibe means to take in. Imbibe means to drink. It's not a word we really use much, if at all, anymore. But to imbibe means to take in. So a wine bibber is someone who is consuming alcohol. So it says, be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. So that's why I don't take my family there. And you, and you may say, Really? You would be tempted to drink alcohol? No, I'm just trying to watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Now, there are some situations which you face that might be out of your control where people may be consuming alcohol. One of those is if you fly on a commercial airline. Uh, when we went to Papua New Guinea, I was praying, Lord, please keep me from being around anyone that's consuming alcohol. And the Lord graciously answered that prayer. I don't remember seeing anyone uh, close to me. I don't remember, I guess I, I don't remember, maybe some of the team does, but I don't remember on the trays they have seen alcohol. I'm sure it was there, uh, but I, I just don't remember seeing it. Um, so God graciously answered that prayer. Um, but what about in a situation where it is beyond your control, where you are thrust into that situation? Now what do you do? Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Sometimes we are thrust into situations of temptation and it's beyond our control that we're in that situation. Now, some people may say, well, then don't fly commercial airlines. Take a ship for on a missions trip. Um, have you ever read about what happens on some of those ships? 
Yeah, I don't think there is a commercial ship that doesn't serve alcohol on board. I don't think there is such a thing. So that's not going to help taking a ship. Um, so, uh, but 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh, what? He standeth, take heed, lest he, what? This is the verse I wanted to share with you. So <clears throat> you're saying, really? Really? You, you would think just being in a room where other people are drinking, it would tempt you to drink? Well, I'm not, I'm in my flesh right now, I'd say, that'd never tempt me in a million years. But what did David do to Uriah? David gave him alcohol to get him drunk, to try to get him to go back to be with his wife, to cover up his sin. Um, the Bible tells us, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Each one of us could say, I would never, I'll guarantee you, I will never, ever touch a drop of liquor. Um, funny thing is, though, there's one of the 12 that said, I will never, ever deny you. Hmm. Funny thing is, is that same night he did it, um, what was his name? Peter. The, the rock. Peter, I will never deny you. Yeah, right. Well, he did. So, humility is what we need. Verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. But, verse 13. <clears throat> As I've told you since Thanksgiving that sometimes when I pray, you know, I'll pray a prayer request and then I'll thank the Lord. And then pray a prayer request and thank the Lord. And so I've done this uh, with with this here um, in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is what? Faithful. Is man faithful? No. But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to what? Escape that you may be able to bear it. So I'll pray Matthew 26, 41. Lord, please keep me from temptation this day. And then uh, this verse here, God will provide a way to escape if we are thrust into temp tempting situations. He'll provide a way to escape. He'll provide a door um, to leave, to get out. So I'll thank him, Lord. I just thank you that in every temptation, you promise, verse 13, there is a door of escape. Um, if there was a fire right now, <clears throat> what would you, where would you go? Out one of the doors. There's four doors. You got your choice. Two are open. Two are shut. Um, there's actually some walls you could probably get through if you wanted to. If you was in a big enough hurry to get out of here. Uh, and I just thank the Lord, Lord, thank you that in every temptation, you've provided a door of escape. Okay, but sometimes people say, I was in this situation and God wasn't faithful. I couldn't find a way to escape. Is God faithful? 
Yes, he's faithful. What is the problem? Well, let's hold your place here. Let's go back to Matthew 26, 41. Now, God was, God was faithful, but there was something else going on that this person is not willing to admit. Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is what? Willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. The flesh didn't want to see the door. My wife used to get a, a magazine, um, I think it was called Taste of Home. And they would have a, not a puzzle, but they would have a picture, and you had to find the pin, right? The hat pin? I don't know if I have the right name. But anyway, there would be a, a pin somewhere in that picture. You had to spot. And you know what? Sometimes you really had to look to find it. It's hidden pretty well. Um, so you just mark it down. If the flesh is in a tempting situation and you're relying on the flesh, the flesh is not going to see the door of escape. Why? Because the flesh is weak. The flesh doesn't want to see a door of escape. The flesh wants to enjoy the temptation. That's the problem. God is faithful. So, I was thankful on the airplanes. God, I prayed and God kept anyone from drinking near me. At least no one that I saw. I mean, if someone was doing it right behind me, I didn't see him. Um, but then on the way home, I think it was in Australia on one of the layovers, I went into one of the airport lounges to get some food. I found a little food that matched my diet, which was about nothing at that point. Uh, but then I, I saw that was good. So I went back up to get a little more of that almost nothing. And when I came back and sat down, here too, a young couple came with alcohol and sat just, there was like a table of some sort and right, right there with their, with their liquor. So I grabbed my carry-on and tried to balance my almost nothing on it and my glass, and I just scooted right out. And look, kind of looking back, it was, they were like, looking at me like, what did I do? <laughs> you know, I'm, they come and I take right off, you know, just almost juggling everything to get out of there. Um, so there was a door of escape. It was thrust upon me, and so God was faithful. He, he provided a way out. Um, so um, this, this crown of life. Uh, let's go to First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4. Thinking about the judgment seat of Christ, this crown is available to every one of us. This crown. The crown of life. First um, Peter chapter 4 and verse 2. Actually, we should probably read verse 1. Uh, so verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live what? The rest of his time in what? The flesh. The flesh to what? The lust of men, but to what? The will of God. Every one of us 
can get this crown of life. What is, what is required of us? Verse 2, for each one of us, that, that he, that we, should no longer live the rest of his, our time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. This, this crown is available to us. The rest of our time, how long do we have? I don't know. The rest of my time may be a few moments. And I may fall over with a heart attack. The rest of my time might be on the way home. I might get in an accident and die or who knows when. None of us know. None of us know. But will we determine in our hearts, we want to live the rest of our time to the will of God, not to the will of the flesh. If so, we can have the crown of life. Notice in Revelation 2, Revelation chapter 2, that crown is also mentioned here. Revelation 2 and verse 8. Very little is said to this church here. In Revelation 2, verse 8, it's the, the church of Smyrna. I will read 8 through 11. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful, what? Unto death. Remember what we just read? Living the rest of our time, not to the flesh, but to the will of God. And now to this church he's saying, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee what? A crown of life. A crown of life. Is that really though for us too? Read verse 11. He that hath what? How many of you have an ear? He that hath an ear, let him what? Hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So it's for us. If we will live the rest of our time, if we, as it says here, will be faithful unto death, I will give thee a crown of life. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's resolve in our hearts to be faithful to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, this crown, this reward that you have waiting for those who will live the rest of their time, not for the flesh, but to the will of God. Lord, that's what we want to do. Lord, I pray you'd help us to live the rest of our time, whatever it is for you. Help us to be faithful unto death. We'll thank you for all you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's resolve that 389.